Welcome to the Love Your Truth podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jen Chrisman, and for over a decade, I have been a licensed clinical psychologist, life coach, and on my own journey of personal and spiritual development. Each week, I'm going to be bringing you an inspiring guest or a thought that will help you move beyond fear and doubt to unlock your true potential because you know there is something inside of you that you want to express and a kind of life that you want to create. We're going to be talking about personal development, wellness, spirituality, and entrepreneurship. You'll get a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your life today. Are you ready? Let's get on to this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Love Your Truth podcast. And in today's episode, I sit down with Stephanos Sifandos. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Um, and Stephanos is, we had just have an incredible conversation. Honestly, when you guys listen to this, I know you are going to be as mesmerized as I was by what he is talking about. Stephanos is, um, he is a coach and a teacher of what he calls healthy masculinity. And we go deep into our conversation around his personal journey and how he came to the point where he is of really stepping into and owning his story and his experience so that he could change the narrative, be a part of changing the paradigm of masculinity and what it means to be a man in today's culture. And this is an honest conversation. It's an incredibly vulnerable conversation. And like I said, you are going to be mesmerized by the way he speaks and the way he teaches as well. And so I'm really hoping that you take away, you know, a blend of both inspiration as well as really practical information because this conversation absolutely blew me away and I just can't wait for you to listen in. Having said all of that, mm. why don't you, why don't we just start like diving in a little bit and telling us um, just a little bit of background about who you are. Who is yes. Steph? <laughs> who is Steph? <laughs> um, yeah, so I grew up in, in Greece and Australia, and so I had, I had quite, quite a diversity in, in cultural upbringing. Um, it, was, it was difficult for me to, to leave Greece. So much of my father's family um, was there, and, and my mother's Italian. And so it was really difficult to leave my cousins and leave my family and um, come back to Australia. And that was, that was an interesting time for me as a, as a young person, getting to know my way and, and really understanding the world. You know, the world was such a big place when you're, when you're so little. And not being able to speak English, that wasn't really my first language. It was interesting coming back to an English-speaking nation where uh, there was, there was a, a lot of a lot of racism in Australia and there still is today. Mm. And so there was this, this feeling of segregation. So from a young, as a young child, so I gave you that background because it sort of led into this feeling of separateness and this feeling of segregation. You know, it's interesting how our, our greatest voids become our greatest values. And so mm, <laughs> fast forwarding, yeah, 
is a fast forwarding one of my very conscious and aware missions or part of my, my mission on this, on this planet, I feel is to, is to bring back that unity is to, is to move away from separation into togetherness into unity and and some call it unity consciousness where we're really operating our, our MO is coming from a place of, Hey, it's not necessarily the same, but we're on the same page with respect to how to treat each other and treat ourselves. And so having feeling very isolated as a young person, um, also experiencing varied phenomenon that I, I was just unfamiliar with, like my senses were very attuned as a child. So they're very heightened. And I remember many times either being in bed or, or just being in the house and, and I could hear a pin drop, like literally a pin drop on the other end of, of the house. And it was, it was very scary and overwhelming, yet also very intriguing. And fortunately or unfortunately, whatever it was, those, those um, call them gifts, call them aptitudes, whatever they were, they weren't really nurtured. And so whenever I'd speak to someone about them, like whether it be my grandparents or my, my parents, it was, it was discounted. It wasn't really uh, just, they couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand it. I remember going visiting doctors Physi- physiologically. I was fine, but I was experiencing these, these overwhelming amplification of my senses, m- namely my sight and my hearing. And then just over the years, they, that was sort of um, dimmed down and, and went into that normality, so to speak, quote unquote normality, but again, feeling really isolated. So I took that feeling of feeling separate, feeling isolated, which of course led to a, led to a variety of um, expressed behaviors that weren't exactly conducive to being a good, a good boy, quote unquote. Mm. And so I was a little bit of a menace when I was younger. <laughs> um, just really curious and explorative, you know, more than anything else, but, and, uh, and also just a little bit of a menace and then took that into my childhood and into my adulthood in different, different ways, of course, relative to my, to my age and to the culture of that, of that time, the subculture of that time. And so again, this feeling of being alone and really taking that into the world and, and searching. I traveled a lot when I was, younger in my late teens and early twenties. I mean, I still travel a fair amount at the moment, but really, really tr- literally traveled the world, you know, worked on cruise ships and, and saw so much of the world and saw so much and, and, and spent time with such diversity of people, which really opened me up. And I, I really then began to feel less alone because, you know, sort of when you're in the same place for a, a fair amount of time, you get sort of stuck in a bubble mm-hmm. and I literally live in a town that they call the bubble. I get it. <laughs> I get it. It's uh, amazing. Yeah, and, and, and it, can, it can stunt you and, and it can also liberate you. It depends on the perspective you take, right? So traveling the world for me was a massive, massive contrast. I was speaking with a friend of mine this morning. Um, his name's Connor. And, and we were talking about experience and expression and how the, the, the two feed into each other. And when we broaden and widen our experience of ourselves and the world, our expression also becomes more expansive. And as our expression becomes more expansive, that feeds back into the experience of ourselves and the experience of how we see life. And that was very much my, my, uh, my experience 
growing up in that in that in that sense where I began to move away from isolation and started thinking about well okay how do we how do we actually bring ourselves together as a community as a global community I mean as a, as a young boy like literally six seven eight years old I was very naive but I wanted to be I said mum I, I want to be the United Nations Secretary General mm. so in my mind I was like well if, if I'm in such a position of of, of great power that is looking to bring the world together. I can help. I can be that person that can, that can contribute to that, you know, to, as I grew up and, and, and grasped geopolitics and socioeconomics a lot deeper, I realized that um, not to get political, but the, the UN is, a, is uh, it's well-intentioned, but also tokenistic and it really is a product of its economic environment as well. Mm. And so and so let, let that go very quickly, but still had this yearning to how can I serve? How can I, how can I really be of service? And so in doing that, and this is part of my journey in doing that, I lost that connection with myself and, and really focused outward. And so I started focusing on how can I serve others? How can I help others? How can I heal others without really doing, without cleaning up my stuff, without uh-huh. cleaning up my own inner world. And that was very evident in how I, expressed in the world that was very evident in how I behaved in my relationships my intimate relationships with women and I was unfaithful in those relationships for the vast majority of them I was disconnected in those relationships I was disrespecting myself and untruthful and and disrespecting them of course I was living in a lot of fear and scarcity and also self-righteousness justification self-justification and ego and I wasn't addressing these core fears that I had, and, you know, most of us, and so my background's in behavioral science and psychology and philosophy as well. So I studied that extensively at university and, 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 and a variety of other um, uh, modalities in, in, in mind, body therapy and healing. And so had, had gone into all of that and looked at helping others, but didn't really go and do that deep work within myself. And so there was always something missing for me. Like I would, I would immerse myself in a beautiful experience and relationship and, and, and commitment with a, with a, with a woman. And, and then these fears would come up and I couldn't understand them. I couldn't put context to them. And it would, these fears would dictate my behavior and then I'd make choices that weren't conducive to, to the health of the relationship that weren't conducive to me being in integrity. In other words, just at the simple level of just doing what I'm saying. And it caused so many problems like within myself and, and, and outside of myself. And that coupled with growing up in a very abusive environment, physically and emotionally abusive environment, I took that aggression and that morphed over the years and I took that into my relationships. Now, I wasn't physically abusive in my relationships. I was emotionally abusive in my relationships, whether it was in, in, in a shadow expression of self or whether it was overt. And I know many men can relate to this. I do a lot of work with men. And this, this issue of commitment and freedom and hyper-masculinity comes up a great deal with men. Mm. And it's like it's the norm in our society. And so I, I took that without examining it, thinking, well, that's the norm. You know, that's my, my friend's parents were like that. My parents were like that. My family was like that. That just must be the norm. That just must be how we just get shit done in life. right? That's, what we, that's how men behave. That's how we behave. That's, that's the, the, the dynamic, the relational dynamic between men and women. And that's just how it is. And was really ignorant to searching deeper into that. And so that aggressiveness was not only an aggressiveness 
outwardly towards those that I loved and cared for, but it was also an aggressiveness towards myself. So my inner talk, my inner self-speak, my inner critic was so harsh, so violent and so aberrant. And so it was almost like I gave my, my consciousness or myself, my brain, my mind, my mindset, my expression, no choice but to also be that with others because that's all I knew. And so many years of that compounding in this search for, for unity, I was just perpetuating what I was moving or what I wanted to move away from, mm -hmm. which was isolation and separateness. Yeah. And so a number of years ago, um, I was in an intimate relationship and I was really, I really, at that time, I was really involved in the relationship. However, my behavior hadn't changed, you know, internally and again, behind the scenes or in the shadow. And it's all the justifications and, and all, the, all the, it was just getting out of control. And so that unraveled and she discovered that behavior and, and, and she was very amazing enough to, you know, because her patterns were to run and her patterns were to move away, but she stayed and we, we didn't end up together, but we worked through a lot of stuff. And that was a massive revelation and turning point for me as I looked at that and I looked at my life and I said, what the fuck am I doing? Am I allowed to swear? Yes, absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Thanks. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, who am I being? I am such a hypocrite. And I, I believe we're all hypocrites. Absolutely. Like, human beings, we're all hypocrites. And it's necessary to be a hypocrite because it, it, it signifies and symbolizes a transition point in our lives. It's like, hey, old self, I'm the new self. And I like this new way of being. And it may take us a while to get into this new way of being, but just bear with us for a bit, minute. And mm -hmm. old self says, well, fuck you. I don't like that. And so I have to succumb to you because you're this more new powerful self. However, I don't like, it and I'm going to put up a fight. And so, you know, we flux between the old versions of self and expressions of self and new versions of self. And then people look at that from the outside and they go, you're a hypocrite. You're saying this, but you're doing that. And it's sort of like, Hey, give me a moment. Just give me a, a, a period of grace, whether it be a month, six months, 12 months, three years, I'm getting there. So, you know, we need, sometimes we need, we need a little bit of time to, to make those adjustments. But for me, I was being a, a very conscious hypocrite in, mm. in the sense that, and, and, you know, in, 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 in a way that was causing a lot of harm to others and to my own evolution, my own psyche, my own soul development, I was remaining stagnant. And so when that all unraveled, I, I, I made, it was very difficult. Like I, I, I died so many deaths, <laughs> you know, so many versions of self, so many, you know, what we call ego deaths or spiritual mm -hmm. deaths, emotional deaths. And it brought up a lot of stuff. And, 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 and I, when I say a lot of stuff, I'm talking about un, unchecked trauma, unobserved trauma, um, fear states from the past, like psychological conditions and, and, and what was underpinning my behavior and examined all of that and, and sought a lot of help. Like I immersed very, I, I went into great debt. I, I gave my businesses up, most of them, all of them really. I, I, I went inward. I, I spent hours and hours every day on the growth of myself and really just said to myself, like, if I, nothing's more important right now than this because I don't want to live my life in this way anymore, being completely out of integrity and just completely disconnected. And the pain that I felt watching her feel so betrayed and so so lost because of something that she believed in and I was responsible, my part, I was hundred percent responsible for me seeing that I, my actions were so responsible for that 
was heart wrenching for me. And I never experienced something like that in that way. And that, that was a major catalyst for, for deep transformation for me. And ever since then, I've been on this, on this journey to really, well, I, I've shifted so much, but more, more, more importantly to unpack and discover how do we look at ourselves and how do we actually just the, the simple yearning I had when I was a child is just to move away from isolation into, into unification. And so the truth, I mean, the truth, the truth doesn't set us free per se there's a, there's a lot that that transpires prior to the truth setting us free it's like forgiveness like it's easy to say hey just forgive mm-hmm. but there's so much that transpires prior to forgiveness in terms of you know emotive expression on the on the spectrum of, of what it means to be emotionally intelligent and and coming to terms and there's acceptance and the self-compassion and there's a level of honesty and unpacking and and moving through different fear states and understanding ourselves before we can even get to a legitimate genuine hey i'm sorry or hey i forgive you like I feel that peace within me. Like it's, it's not, it's not as easy as not that it's not easy. It's just, there's a process to it. And so there was much again with this moving into this connectedness instead of isolation. So I had to un, find all these different needles in the haystack. And so that's been a really powerful and, and empowering journey for me. And what it's done is it's opened my world up immensely in terms of the people that I'm meeting, I mean, I'm, I'm so, again, this was a number of years ago. And now I'm in this beautiful, aware, connected relationship with my fiance where I just, you know, something that I've been envisioning from a very young age. Like cause I, I grew up, again, seeing a very unhealthy, toxic expression of what it meant to be in intimate relationship or what it meant to be in marriage or sacred union. And, and knowing that, I never want to be that. Again, our voice drive our values. Never want to be that person. How do I create a beautiful relationship? And I had to get, a, I had to, for lack of a better term, I had to get it wrong many, many times before I could, again, for lack of a better term, get it right. And really, it's just, I had to be out of alignment for a long time before I could be in alignment. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been talking a long time. And I feel, <laughs> and I feel like I could listen to you for hours. I mean, there's so many. <laughs> Honestly, there's so many different points where I would like feel myself wanting to interject and then just call to kind of stop and let you keep going because what you're saying is so powerful. And, um, you know, I think it's so, I'm having a few different reactions to it and, you know, full disclosure, I, you know, what you're sharing about your, your personal process in your personal journey is very um, reflecting, reflective of um, my own relationship that I'm in right now with a partner who um, has a very uh, similar path to you. And like you were saying, you know, I think that there is a, you know, there's an undercurrent that is happening for men right now in our culture mm. that is asking you to go deeper. And mm. Um, you know, I, I have, uh, I'm with someone who is also very similar on a journey to, to kind of change the narrative of what it means to be a man and how you are able to show up in a journey. And it is, uh, being dictated by, by, I mean, almost identical what you're describing the, the situation and kind of that breaking point that he and I came to, uh, based on his behaviors and how he was showing up. And, mm. you know, my role as a woman to kind of, you know, choose to stay in support and work through rather than just take off because I got hurt. 
Um, but I'm, I'm curious, I, I really want to kind of unpack that, that part of it because like I said, I think that there is, there's something that is, um, you know, shifting, there's a global consciousness that's happening, Mm. happening. And, you know, both men and women are, um, you know, asking, being asked, I think to, to go deeper and to, to shift what we have always been taught and what it means to be a man and a woman. And so I, I would love to hear more about it and, and the work that you're currently doing because you, you do one-on-one coaching with men, right? Yeah, I do one-on-one coaching. I do large group offline and online um, coaching with men. I have, you know, th- this, this whole journey caused me to, prompted me to, to develop academic and pragmatic, pragmatic um, I say academic because there's a lot of research that goes behind them, um, behind these these principles and models. But I've developed a, a model called the Conscious Warrior, which is a 12 principle model on how to be a healthy man in in contemporary times, how to be a conscious man in contemporary times, and what that definition means to me, and 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 what that what that means for us as a greater collective, and and, and not just for men, but of course, but for women and all all human, all sentient beings, all sentience on this planet, and the role that we play as men, and the the equal, the, the equitable and equal importance of that in different ways um, to women. And I'll use binary gender just, just for the sake of our conversation. But of course, yeah. uh, the cultural normative discussion at the moment is, is beyond a binary gender. Um, Absolutely. But of course, just, and I want to make mention of that and honour that, of course, but just for simplicity's sake, because it is a complex, com- that is a complex conversation. Yeah. Um, not, not to go too deep into that, but just to recognise that and honour that, of course, that, that discourse that is occurring in our in our community at a global level, and and also just to say when I'm speaking to men and women, of course, it's inclusive of of all sentience, and all and all human beings. Um, but yeah, there's there's so twelve principle model. There's there's twelve tenets there, and then um, that is a that is a, a blueprint and a roadmap for in my in my uh, based on my belief systems, of course, and my my vantage point on how to be a, a conscious warrior and what it means to be a man. Uh, in today's times and um of course that that came from well what do i need to be a, a healthy man you know, who do i need to be to be a healthy man and can and, you speak hmm. a little bit to what those 12 principles are oh of course yeah I, I'm, I'm, i'll be delighted to um so firstly each principle leads into another and and so with all the models I've developed models on harmonious how to create harmonious balance in life and what that means on on um, on healthy relationships on excuse me on sovereign leadership on on vulnerability uh, a number of different models so I, li- I like creating models I like just I I'm an academic at heart but I also like to take these models and say well how can we actually use these models like, what does it mean to use these models and so like in a in a in a pragmatic sense in a practical sense. And so um, there's, there's 12 models, as I, 12, sorry, 12 principles, as I mentioned. And I'll, I'll skim through them. And if there's any that jump out at you, let me know and we can have a discussion about them. So yeah. the, the first is ownership and personal power. The second is um, reflection, solitude and stillness. The third is movement and connection. Fourth is purposeful and passionate. Um, the fifth is inspired action. Sixth is honouring admiration and belief. The seventh is verticality and discernment. 
the eighth is a concept I, I've coined called selfish selflessness, or mm. it can also be known as an, an enlightened self-interest. But I, I take that concept of enlightened self-interest and I sort of, I, I take it to another level and there's something quite, uh, there's something unique about that. Uh, the ninth is intelligence. Uh, the tenth is sacred ritualistic and esoteric practice. The eleventh is divine worship and surrender. And the twelfth is explorer. And they're the twelve tenets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Of, of, of the, of the warrior. And so starting at that foundation, the, at the number one, and it was an honest, uh, what say that I want to, I don't want to bash your words. Ownership and personal power. Ownership and personal power. And so I added the word honest to it, (laughs) which is obviously my, the filter that it's going through for me. But, Mm. um, my, my assumption that I made was that it's about, um, like a radical self-honesty. Mm. Am I on the right yep. track with that? Okay. Absolutely. So, uh, let's hear, I'll hear from you kind of how you unpack ownership and what that means, personal mm. and empowerment. Definitely. Definitely. And I'll also want to add there's 12 precepts to, oh. <laughs> to the, to the conscious warrior, which is part of the warrior's code as well. And the 12 precepts are like bite size, almost like 10 commandments and they, they, they work junk to the conscious warrior as well. But back to your question, I can explain those later if you like, but back to your question around ownership and personal power. So this is, this is taking an ownership. In other words, a recognition, a conscious awareness of not only who we've been in say a negative way, quote unquote, but also taking ownership for our gifts. Like that, that's something that we don't do. You know, it's, it's a, our society is really interesting. It's like we systemically, promote this individualistic capitalistic society and so there's, there's 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 so much that's driven from that in and of itself and so we're we're this we're a highly competitive society especially in a western democratic sense and yet if we take too much ownership for our gifts or our accomplishments we're considered egoic yes and and, and so there's this this and so there's this these unhealthy extreme expressions that are taking place and it's like well if you take an acknowledgement for your gifts whatever that gift may be Maybe you're just an excellent stockbroker. I don't know. Maybe you're a great firefighter. I'll use very simple um, externally projected examples of like a, a career. Maybe you're a great parent. And we don't, we know if we, if we gloat or if we, sorry, if we take ownership for that, we can be seen as gloating. So then we refrain. Now what happens is in, in a polarized world, when we do that, we also refrain from then taking ownership of our quote unquote deficits. Yes. The entire spectrum of who we are because we're not practiced in acknowledgement. We're not practiced in self-ownership. Yeah. So ownership and personal power is about just getting fucking real and honest. You, you hit the nail on the head when you said honesty. Because it's about getting real and honest with who we are. And that's something that I couldn't do because I was I was so and I love my parents, but I was so I was so abused and I was so um, and I, I, and I, and I wore a victim hat for a long time, mm. for a fucking long time. And I, and I played in the game of shadows wearing that victim hat. And so, so for a long time, I was so suppressed in my expression because a- anything and everything that I perceived to have done when I was younger, this is the way I put my inner child, my younger boy perceived was wrong. Mm-hmm. So I kept my mouth quiet. So I, w- I was very well practiced in moving in the shadows, in moving in secrecy in behaving and doing and being in the world where no one knew but me yeah, and strangers. Yeah. And so I became very, very good at hiding my emotions. Now I was also very good at expressing my emotions, but very good at hiding my emotions. Very good. And you know, as, as young men and, and as boys in particular, the, again, these are just a generalization. 
we're taught to not emote as if we don't have a limbic system. It's like we've been lobotomized or we were born uh-huh. lobotomized without a limbic system. Like we, we, you know, like that, that's, a, that's a massive part of our development that we lose as young men is this ability to emote healthily. Now, and, I'll, and I'll go out there and say that I don't even know if very few children, male, female, other, et cetera, are taught how to emote healthily. Mm-hmm. That's shifting massively. Mm-hmm. The paradigm around that is shifting. However, like it's, it's, we're not really taught, especially boys, especially males. And so I could never take ownership of the stuff I didn't like about myself or the areas of life where I wasn't great at because I would be, I would be further ostracized by my father, namely a tremendous father wounding. And so being stuck in that vortex I wouldn't, and I couldn't, I couldn't see the damage I was doing to myself and to others. And so if we cannot be responsible for our health, our vitality, our conduct, our interactions, our values, our learnings, our teachings, our being, our presence and our leadership, and then all of the darkness that's also associated with that, how can we possibly be a healthy, well-rounded, whole human being? So for me, I was, I was so fractured and so fragmented and so again, quote unquote broken, mm-hmm. but I wasn't broken. I just thought I was broken. And then we're never broken. We're just, yeah. we're, we're either, this is, I heard something really beautiful the other day. So we're, we're either, we're not broken. We're either closer connected to happiness and, and, and self-fulfillment and self-acceptance, or we're just further away from it. Mm. So that was really beautiful. I love that. It, really beautiful. Like I've, I've gone through, I mean, I don't know, for me, I don't know about you, Jen, but for me, I'm, I'm constantly or, or regularly moving through various iterations of myself. Like who I am, who I was six months ago is not who I am now. And I'm so blessed that I have amazing human beings in my life, amazing community, amazing people. And, and I have an amazing, amazing partner, amazing fiance. And she, I mean, I, the last few months have been really, I've been moving through some deep, deep trans, transitions in terms of up-leveling my own consciousness. And, and I've, I've purposely decided to go down some um, somatic healing and some somatic um, sexual work, body work that lasted and psychodynamic and psycho, um, psychophysical body work, mm-hmm. psychophysiological that lasted for about two, three months. And that was an amazing experience, but it was also like deep in the trenches and, you know, the way that I was held through that by certain people in my life and my partner in particular to allow me to really express some, some stuff that had been locked in the basement for a long time. And, and I've been doing deep work on myself, to be honest, since from a teenager. However, it wasn't until I became really truthful with who I was that I was able to liberate at, at, at substantial levels. Yeah. And so this is this feeds back into this ownership and personal power. I was empowered by the people around me. The support network is so important, particularly Christine, in, in allowing me to just step into that power without judgment. And so one of the massive realizations that I took around ownership and personal power, and one one of the reasons why why this is the first tenant, and also why it's so important, I believe they all are, of course, is because. When I ceased, even if it was just momentary, Jen, even if it was just for a moment, it was such fucking reprieve to not judge myself so harshly. Like I feel like I'm, you know, like crying now because I spent so much of my life hating on myself. 
And that mm. wasn't my hate. It was projected upon me and I took it on and then I assumed responsibility for that. So ownership and personal power is about assuming responsibility for what is ours, not what is the pain of our parents or our mm. friends or society. I spent so many years taking on that. And when, when, whenever I'd find that moment of reprieve, I'd create it for myself through deep meditation or contemplation or reflection or whatever it was, where I wasn't judging myself and I was just at peace with who I was no matter what I was being or doing, irrespective of the outward action, it was the moment that I stopped perceiving others to judge me so harshly and I stopped, have to, I stopped, I ceased to wear masks and pretend I was someone that I wasn't. And mm. the relief, the freedom in that, Mm-hmm. that was just revelatory. And so a big part of ownership and personal power is safety and stability and creating this sense of safety, which is obviously a, a very long and complex journey, but creating this sense of safety. Well, sorry, so it doesn't have to be complex, but it's, a, it's an unwinding journey. This sense of state, safety and stability within ourselves so that we can actually take responsibility for stepping into a healthy masculine, I'll speak to men, of course, healthy masculine state. And this applies to everyone, I don't believe. It's Absolutely. And, and so when we choose not to negate our responsibilities as, as people, as men, and that, that is that we assume ownership for our actions, our postures, our behaviours, our inner state, that, that's being human. And we can do that without judgment or devoid of judgment and with acceptance and surrender to that. I call that for men, for the male version, I call it presence because most men have a problem with surrender. They don't like that word. Mm-hmm. Most people don't. It's a daunting, it can be a daunting word. Yeah. It can mean, you know, we're an additive species. Like we don't, we've grown up, we've grown up, we've evolved. I say grown up, you know, the hundreds of thousands of years, or you know, call it 2 million years of humanoids and so forth. But we've, we've evolved from scarcity. And so when you start subtracting and surrender is a, a subtractive a word associated with subtraction, our physiology and our, and our, our limbic system and our brainstem starts to freak out. And it's like, Oh, what are you taking away from me? Just wait. Yeah. I'm going to survive. So, so when we say, pre, so when I say the word presence, it's like, Oh, what am I witnessing? Or what am I observing? Or what am I looking at? It's not necessarily this connotation of what are you taking away from me? If I surrender, what am I giving up? What am I giving up? What am I giving into? That's weakness. I can't do that. If I'm weak, then I'm vulnerable. If I'm vulnerable, I'm open. I could die emotionally, physically. The brain doesn't distinguish, right? So, so it, it, I, I like to use that word presence, but ultimately it's a surrendering. And, 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 and there's depth in that, right? And there's opening in that. And there's opening just in saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to use the word presence. I'm going to use the word surrender. That in and of itself is growth. Massive. And, I, you know, I'm just, uh, again, like I, I, I'm looking at the time and I'm like, oh my God, we have like 15 minutes left and I need to hear all 12. And um, I mean, I literally could listen to you talk for, I think all day. Um, and I just, I love just this, you know, unpacking this, this first, you know, the foundational piece. And it's so in alignment with this podcast, with the work that I do, you know, love your truth. And really that, you know, my, my position and what I've always taken is that also, you know, true healing and transformation happens when we allow ourselves to shine a light on all of the aspects of ourselves, not just the parts that we have, um, you know, deemed are okay to show. And, Mm. you know, I think oftentimes what happens is that people, you know, they go one of two ways and we either become overly attached to, um, you know, what we perceive as our shortcomings and we, we fixate and we're very vocal and we, 
we, we talk all about that um, and we share with the world, you know, how deficient we are in these ways, or we have the other side, which, you know, the shame where we don't allow ourselves to, to talk about our shortcomings at all. Um, and the same thing happens with our, with our, the more positive aspects of ourselves that, you know, we kind of split the world either one of two ways, either we're, you know, overly, like you said, like egotistical, um, if we are shining a light on our strengths or we hide, you know, we hide them from the world. And, you know, ideally it's like, you know, I, I always compare it to, you know, if you're the manager of a store like, and you need to run the store efficiently, you're going to have to take a full inventory, which is looking at both what you do have, what's in stock as well as what's missing. And, you know, oftentimes we get so scared to look honestly at everything that we're working with, the strengths and the, you know, the shadow sides. Mm. But if we ever want to make that transition, if we ever want to take that leap into that next level, we have to be willing to not just like look at it, not just talk about it, but really, I think, love it, like shift that relationship to one where it's about acceptance and it's about you know, really embracing all of who we are. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I love that, that embracing of all of who we are. Something that we are so scared of, so scared of. I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to project my experiences onto others. It's just what I've witnessed in so many people that we're so afraid to embrace all that we are. Yeah. Because, again, it comes, for me, it comes down to this, it's an innate fear. It's an, it's a, it's a physiological fear that we can move beyond, but it's also an indoctrinated fear that, that comes from our upbringing. That was my experience where if I was to express myself, it was, I grew up in a very volatile environment. Like one day I was loved. The next day I was like, I fully loved. One day I was, it was safe to, to be me. The next day it wasn't. So it was like, not even next day, next moment, moment to moment, literally. Yeah. And so, oh, you know, the, 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 the stress that the neurological and psychological, emotional, spiritual stress that came from that. And it's like, well, and so many people grow up in a, in a volatile environment like that or grow up in an environment where it's unsafe to be them in whatever form they perceive that to be. And so we lose such an integral part of our own integrity. And we you know we speak about authenticity, but we, we don't like, what is that? What is that when you've worn so many masks, you can't keep up with the next mask that you're wearing? Mm. Because it's all about self-protection. Nothing at, at the un, an underlying level, unconscious level, like it's so much self-protection is in place that we get lost in that. We get lost in those masks. And so we lose who we are fundamentally ourselves. We lose the essence, the core essence of who we are. We lose the core essence of who we wish to be and the impact we wish to make in the world. So we take on other people's values and we live in fucking misery. Well, society says, you know, be a banker or do this. Well, society says, you know, go to university or get a trade and do this and do that and take this path and get married and have, a, have children and get a loan and get the car and get the house. And whatever it may be, I'm using very generic examples. But, but we, we generally, so many of us are unhappy because we're not living true to our values. Yeah. And most of us don't know what our values are because yeah. we're hidden from the world. So we don't have any sense of ownership or personal power. Therefore, how can we be empowered? Therefore, we're in a state of disempowerment and therefore we're always giving our power away. Other people are making decisions for us at, at so many levels. That's so dissatisfying and so re like we're repressive. We're just stuck. 
And so I'm curious for you in your own experience, like what did that, how did that show up for you? What were the, um, you know, the, the check boxes that you marked off? Um, and at what point did you realize in your own process that you were becoming who you thought you were supposed to be rather than who you actually are? Hmm. Interesting question. So that, 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 I became, so I became, I was very passive and meek in the contemporary sense of the word um, growing up. I was bullied a lot. I, I was bullied a hell of a lot. And then I became a bully in some sense as well. And as I moved into my teens, I became hyper aggressive. And so yeah. I became my father essentially. Yeah. And I had a, I had a supervisor who always used to tell me and it rings. So like I, she would always say that there's no, there's no bully like a victim. That's, that's, deeply true in my experience as well right but that's you know the natural of course that's what we do sorry keep going <laughs> no, 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 don't be sorry i mean i came head to head with that a couple of years ago when someone commented on on a social and this is this is the extent of it right and i was very good at at blocking so much out she she wrote a very um a very confronting very abusive note on my page and basically saying, you know, you don't remember how you used to bully and this. And I could not remember her. Like, this is in high school. And so I, I reached out personally and profusely apologised. And, and I was so embarrassed. And so I had to own that embarrassment and, and, and come to terms with, and realise that, wow, like, I became what I detested. Yeah. And I totally forgot that, Jen. Like, I literally, it was not in my memory. That, that's the extent of it. And, and so this is, this is how good we are. At, we, at, we're built to survive. So if we experience trauma, we block it out because the, the psyche can very, very seldom handle so much trauma. Mm -hmm. Even if we inflict it on others, especially in the, in the layers and the complexity of society today. And so, so I was confronted with that. But to go back to your question, so I became hyper-masculine. And, and, and what I mean by that, and, and some people call it toxic masculinity, and that's another discussion for another time. I we'll probably won't get into that now, but I became aggressive. I was just saying, I became aggressive, overt, overtly aggressive, a lot of violence. You know, I did a lot of martial arts when I was younger, and, and I still do, but now for very, very different reasons. Yeah. And, and just, just was out there being what I thought a man was meant to be. However, I never followed a conventional path, I always did things differently. Because you asked me about like, you know, like, so I, I still wore masks, but the masks I wear were different. I, I live my own terms. Like, I, I mean, I worked on cruise ships. I traveled the world, been to over 60 countries. Like I, I never, like at that age when I was like, sort of, I just got a one-way ticket when I was 19 and left. Like, that was unheard of in my, you know, my, my, my city where I was, you know, not unheard of, but like my group of friends, it wasn't the norm. Like I was very outside of the norm because I was always searching for something because I was, I'd, I'd never, I was never good enough or I perceive myself to never be good enough. So I was always searching for something that would potentially make me good enough to, you know, in the eyes of my father. So I was always looking, I was doing extreme things. So until, until I really got a handle of that and actually said to myself, you know what, the only thing that matters is what, how I hold myself in integrity, which again was, you know, the product of many years of, of conscious and unconscious work and really only came to fruition a few years ago was I'm at peace with who I am. And then I was able to remove a lot of those masks and say, hey, this is me. And I'm actually saying, hey, this is me for me, not for anyone else. And was there 
was there ever, um, like, was there one turning point moment um, that brought you to that point where you said, I'm, I'm ready to take these masks off? Or um, was this, like, do you think that this part of you, like, has this all, the seeker, like, the, the one mm. that was been on a quest, has that always been a part of your nature? Or did you have one of those, like, life-altering, like, halt in your tracks moments that like something has to give mm. great question so, so for me being a seeker has as far as i can remember always been in my nature i, I remember asking that the little i do remember of, of my childhood is I, I remember asking so many profound and by the way after the somatic work more memories are coming back more yeah more as well which is really interesting um, and and the, the charge around them is is neutral, which is really beautiful as well. Wow. More of an appreciation and a and a it gives me more context and insight into my own being, and I can take that and be a, a grander version of myself in the present. Um, but to answer your question, I would always ask him big questions about like where do we come from? You know, I think many kids, many children, if they get the opportunity to do that, they can. Like my my mother really really nurtured me in that way. Really nurtured that philosophical, um, inquisitive aspect of self. And I'm, but I was asking deep questions around God, around humanity, around divinity, around why is there scarcity? Why is there poverty? Why are people suffering? Why this? Why? And, and most of the time, those answers or those questions were met with very little response. And so, again, I've always become our values. So um, whilst I understand that now, it, it, to some extent or to a greater extent than I once did, of course, there's always more to know and learn. Mm. The, the knowledge or the gnosis around that hasn't been satisfying. What's been satisfying is, is the freedom that I have in self-expression. And again, I'm not going to claim that I'm completely fully self-expressed. There's still stuff that I'm working through, you know, like again, and, I, and I, if I don't take this stance, I don't, I don't, I don't even take this stance for myself. I take it for the collective. Like, you know, I'll, I'll mention this because it came up today in a conversation again with another man, a friend of mine. We're talking to, about body shame and cock shame and all of that. Like men experience that massively. It, it's, it's, a, it's a silly, it's like a myth like, oh, men only want sex and women don't. That's bullshit. Like if you look at, if you look yeah. at the, the studies, it's, if, if anything, women physiologically crave sex more than men. If, if, if you look at some of the studies, and obviously the, you can look at different studies, but there are some that actually say that as, as a point. It's the same with like body shame. Men experience this massively. And so for me, I was a, a, a rotund, chubby, overweight kid. I'm not that now. Again, I've always become our values, right? It's interesting. Yeah. I've made some connections myself here. Like I'm, I'm very healthy now. Well, that's, that's relative, but I'm, I'm healthy now. I'm, I'm, I'm fit. I'm healthy. I'm, I'm a strong, neurologically, I'm a strong individual. I, I, I feel good in my body. Yet there's still remnants of body shape from when I was younger. Mm -hmm. you know, this, this. And, but again, how I deal with it now as opposed to 10 years ago, very, very different. Like 10 years ago wasn't even something that I would consider or own or even let alone say it on a podcast where thousands of people are going to hear. Yeah. So, so, and that's a massive difference to give you an opportunity to give you an understanding of that turning point. And so, you, you know, we deal with these issues as men. And, and so, and, and I, that's a side note to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm, I am fully expressed, but there's also stuff that I'm working through it as, as, as aware as I feel I am, I'm not ignorant to think that, hey, there's no other, there's no other place for me to be aware. Plenty. I discover it every day being in a beautiful relationship with my partner. You know, I said, wow, 
that's something. Like I learned something today. Like I, I learned something today about myself. And I'd love to share that with you. Yeah, um, please. With having this conversation with my friend, he said something. He said something to me. He said, Steph, um, and this is the first time we'd met physically. And I'm building a tribe here in, in, in North County, San Diego. And, and um, he was a friend of Christine's and, and she introduced us. So it was really great connecting with him. And he said, man, I, I'm really happy to, to get, he's a little bit younger than me, to get together with you, love some of the stuff you write on and, and to learn from you and that. And I said, man, me too. I'm, I'm super excited to learn from you. I'm loving your vibe. And he went on to say a few things. And in that moment, I made this massive connection that I hadn't even ever realized before. And it was a, it was a really big aha moment for me. And I'm, I'm still digesting it, but I'll, I'll share it anyway. Um, but to, to honor your original question, the, the massive transition revelation I had was honestly a few years ago when, when that, that situation with my partner at that time became unraveled and, and mm-hmm. I had to come face to face with who am I being and where do I want to go? That was to answer your question directly. That was the, the, the biggest turning. I've had many different yeah. turning points in my life. That was the biggest though, at that, at that time in terms of the biggest catalyst that, and, and it put everything else prior to that together because I, I began to take ownership of myself. That was, that was massive for me. Wow. I just, you know, I, I love, again, I'm like, I want to hear you <laughs> talk. I want to go back. We, we did one of the 12 uh, <laughs> tenets. I want to go back. I want to unpack the other 11, uh, but I am aware of the time and that we are running out of time. And so I want to just take a moment uh, as we wind down to, to really honor. I mean, there's so many different things that I want to take a second to just honor and recognize. And one is um, your, your willingness to be so honest and to share your story. And, you know, I'm a big believer that, you know, our story is, our superpower and you know when we use our story we when we're honest and open about it we can always you know bring benefit to the world at large and you know the way that you are opening up so authentically is really really powerful i have to say you know in all of the interviews that i've done yours is the first one where um i actually didn't even want to say anything <laughs> like i really just wanted to hear you talk and i think that that is uh really special so Thank you for that. And I also want to just take a second to acknowledge the work that you are doing and um, with with the uh, community and the, the men that you're working on. And I want to take another second for you to just let everyone know, you know, where they can find you, how they can work with you, what are the different options that they have um, as far as you know, getting in touch with you Thank and you. what might be coming up for you. Mm, thank you so much. I, I, I humbly appreciate the kindness of your words. And it's, it's, it's been a beautiful um, interchange as well for me. And, and the, just the way that the questions you ask, more importantly, the way you hold space and, and just your presence to all of that. It's been an amazing, amazing conversation for me. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm in the middle of a, of a change. So my, my full name is Stefanos um, Sifandos. And so I've just gone by Steph for a long time. And I, being in America is, is really interesting. Even though I speak English, my accent is obviously different. And so I find myself introducing me and saying, hey, I'm Steph. And it's like people, what's your name? But when I say Stefanos, immediately they get it. So I'm like, hmm, that is my name. That is my grandfather's name from my father's side. It's a beautiful name. I re- I, beautiful to me. It has a great deal of meaning. I thought, you know what? It's time for a rebrand and it's time for, a, it's time for me to go back to my name, Ste- like, you know, Stephanos. Mm. And so I say that because all my social media handles now are Stephanos Sefandos, S-T-E-F-A-N-O-S. 
um, Sifandos, S-I-F-A-N-D-O-S. But my website is still stephsifandos.com, but that is changing to stephanossifandos.com. So, but if you did any one of those, it would, it would, it would just um, link back. And I'm also readjusting or sorry, revamping my website as well in terms of the copy and the, the, the aesthetics and the visuals. And it's just to more represent who I am today. So all the information is relevant though, that, that's there and it's con, um, contact info is there. So stephsafandos.com or stephanosafandos.com. And um, yeah, that's, that's me. That's how you can contact me. And of course the work that I'm doing is, so I work with individuals on a one-on-one capacity in, in terms of just help people know themselves. I, I, I do that. That's really what I do. I, I help people know themselves and liberate themselves from their own self-imposed restrictions so they can live a life of greater alignment and value according to their, their I, I, idea of what that is. I work with um, small groups as well. I, I run retreats and immersive experiences. I have online and offline programs and uh, myriad programs around um, personal growth and development that are learn as you go at your own pace. So, um, one on, on again, the conscious warrior is a, is a program that you can just grab on your own and learn at your own pace, or you can do it part of the reclaim your kingdom three month immersive journey. That's just for men that commences in February, mid February next year. Again, I run two or three a year and they're three month immersive journeys where we come together with a band of brothers and men and just really step into healthy masculinity. There's a great deal of support that's, um, situated around that. Um, in terms of the men and the vulnerability and the openness that takes place. And uh, there's so many tools and exercises that are in part in those, in those sessions that help men really shift habitually and neurologically and behaviorally and relationally their, their stagnation. That they find themselves into step into a more, a greater version of themselves. So that's reclaimyourkingdom.com. Um, and there's a, a program on, on healthy relationships and how to cultivate healthy relationships to self and, and others in your life. And that's consciousrelating.co. Um, yeah, and there's lots going on next year. Like so much going on next year. Um, yeah, I, I can't yeah. <laughs> wait to see. I mean, I cannot wait to see because I know you joined this mastermind yes. and the mastermind. I know what it did for me and mm. how it transformed uh, my life and the work that I'm doing. And mm. just given everything you're already doing, I cannot wait to see what cracks open for you mm. and what's mm. to come in the next year. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Like it's, and I, and, and, and that masterminds both for, you know, both for Christine and I as well. And I'm just to mention, I'm super excited about where she's going with her expression as well. And then our expression together as a couple, which will unravel uh, towards the end of next year too, as well. So we're just, it's a really exciting time in terms of the, the development and revelation that's occurring. And I'm super excited for the mastermind as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you again so much for, for taking this time and, you, and doing this interview because it really was so powerful. And I'm absolutely going to have you on again and Amazing. really go through all of those, um, you know, the, those other 11 steps because they, it's just so powerful. Mm, mm, thank you. Yeah. It was amazing speaking with you. Thank you so much so for, for having me on. It was, Seriously, it was incredible. Like, honestly, honestly, you've been my favorite one so far. Don't oh, that's amazing. Massive honor. I'm really, I'm very humbled. I really appreciate that. Cool. Thank you. For real. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. We'll Thank talk you. soon. Okay. Take care guys. Let's love. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Love Your Truth podcast. I am really just so 
happy that you stopped by. And I would at this point just love to ask for your help in spreading the message and maybe sharing this episode with someone that you think would love it or benefit from it. And also if you could head over to iTunes, if you feel so moved to do so and leave an honest comment and review for us, that would really help me out with this journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. And until next time, please don't forget to love your truth. Thanks guys.